Now large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And he turned and said to them, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry the cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not first sit down and estimate the cost to see whether he has enough to complete it? Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who will see it will begin to ridicule him, saying, This fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king, going out to wage war against another king, will not sit down first and consider whether he is able with 10,000 to oppose the one who comes against him with 20,000? If he cannot, then, while the other is still far away, he sends a delegation and asks for the terms of peace. So, therefore, none of you can become my disciple if you do not give up your possessions. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. Congregation, you may be seated. All right, maybe the ushers need to open all of the exits at this point, because I'm sure that all of you probably want to leave after hearing a gospel like the one that we just heard. It may even lead you to think, where was the good news in that? Where was the good news in that for me? It may even leave you wondering if being a follower of Jesus is what you want to do in the first place. But before any of you go, let's see if we can at least break through these seemingly harsh words of Jesus in this exaggerated point-making way of Jesus to at least uncover and try and get at what Jesus is trying to convey to us. But first, I want you to think for a moment about the things that you are good at, the strengths that you have as a person. This might be hard to do. It might be hard to kind of think of those things. It might be even hard to even admit them or share them publicly with someone else. But think for a moment of the things that people seek you out for, of the things that people appreciate about you, the things that maybe you even take for granted yourself because they just sort of come naturally for you. Maybe you're a person who is able to listen and sometimes see in people's words what they're really feeling or trying to say. Maybe you're a person who can see big picture. Maybe you're a person who, for whom organization or finances come so easily and you can see what needs to be done and how to get there, the steps to take. Think about the gifts that you have. Now I bring this up because the story that immediately precedes this gospel, the story that we heard last week, was one where guests were invited to this wedding to sit around a table. 
Now, this was, of course, before the days where there was a table with people's names and people's places so that everyone knew exactly where that they should sit. You find your name, you find what table you sit at, and you go to that table. This was long before that, and at a time where honor was everything and status was everything, and you would not be... Want, you would not want to be in the position of being asked to sit in a different seat, especially in a seat or in a place at the table that was less desirable by your host. And that's exactly what happened. And Jesus, as he tells the story to us, also is trying to make a point to the religious leaders of his day who often have thought of themselves as being more important, more holier, higher on the social status ladder than those around them. And so Jesus makes this point to them, and to us too, about not going immediately to the head of the table, but sitting at a place lower at the table, where you could be invited to sit in a greater place of honor instead of the reverse. And I think sometimes when we hear that story, we hear the importance of being hum humble and the focus on humility in our life. But I once heard a sermon about that gospel passage in which this, the, priest said, the pastor said something about how sometimes what we hear in trying to be humble is that we should deny the gifts that we've been given. That we should downplay the things that we're good at and not use them for the benefit of others. And it stuck with me because he said that's not what Jesus is trying to say here. Jesus is trying to get at don't put yourself higher than someone else. Don't deny what you have been given by God. Humility is those, one of those virtues that I think we can all admire in, when we see it in someone around us. But I think sometimes when we hear Jesus' words, they can set us up for the same sort of misunderstanding that happens in that story of the wedding banquet. So let's start at the beginning of today's gospel. Now large crowds were traveling with him, and he turned to them and said, Whoever comes to me and does not hate father or mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, and even life itself, cannot be my disciple. Jesus' teaching and preaching has started to gain more and more attention so that people from everywhere are coming captivated by what he's saying and by this new message that they're hearing from him. But instead of saying, love your neighbor, we hear this odd call to actually hate the family that you are from, that you are closest to, and that if you don't, you can't follow him as a disciple. 
It seems so opposite to what Jesus has said before this, and it seems so opposite from what our first lesson was about that Greg read for us. So what do you think Jesus could be trying to say to us? Remember that Jesus has been teaching and preaching this Judaism that looks a little bit different from what the religious leaders of his day have been teaching people. And there is beginning to be this conflict brewing and emerging of what it looks like to follow God. There are these people that believe that Jesus now is the one that has been promised, this Messiah, this anointed one. But there are those who don't believe that, who can't see that in Jesus, who who see Jesus as being so different than what they had expected. And I think Jesus is trying to prepare people for this, that that kind of division and tension is going to come up to the surface even among the people that you are closest to. There are some that are going to be for Jesus and some that are going to be vehemently opposed to Jesus. It is going to tear families apart. And Jesus tries to prepare people for that eventuality, to make people aware of this, that choosing Jesus is going to come at a cost to them of how they will be seen and treated by the very people that they are closest to. Now, I'm sure this happens to some extent in families today, as people and families disagree over what it looks like to follow Jesus. I don't know if it happens quite in the same way, especially in our context, that it did in Jesus's. But we all know what it's like to be ripped apart, to be torn apart from the people that we're close to. Maybe it starts over how to care for a loved one. Maybe it starts over a relationship that has to come to an end. And people are trying to figure out how to navigate that and what that looks like. Maybe it comes as a result of something that wants to stay hidden in a family. And there are those who think it should stay hidden, and there are those who think it should be brought to light. This weekend is um, the Alzheimer's Awareness Walk throughout our county and throughout so many others. And Harlan Miller, who's a member here, came and spoke to our BEGIN group, our Brookfield Elm Grove Interfaith Network, this past week to talk about what's happening here in Brookfield and Elm Grove to be a, a community that is dementia-friendly, to be able to help churches like ours, businesses, leaders in the community to be more aware of the signs of Alzheimer's and dementia when they see it. Whether people walk into their stores, whether people come to churches, um, to be able to, to see it and to not be afraid to name it, and then to also be able to reach out to the people who care for and support people in that stage of life. And he came and he spoke, and he had this sign that said, this is where Alzheimer's hides, this bright orange sign. 
And as he took care of his wife, Gail, for so many years, led forums here with others from the Alzheimer's Association group, he said that is such a hot topic. Because when so many families find out a loved one has Alzheimer's, the first thing they want to do is deny it, to cover it up, to pretend they didn't hear the news. And he said, we have to talk about it. But sometimes it can cause the same sort of tension and divide in families. For those who see it and want to respond, and for those who want to deny it and pretend it's not there. The second image that Jesus puts before us is that of carrying the cross. And I think back to this past year's Good Friday service. Were any of you here on Friday? And so one of the things that we did was had the huge wooden cross from downstairs right in the center of the aisle and people were invited to come and hold one of the four ends of that cross. Now, I think when they were invited to do that, they thought it was going like, to happen for about two minutes. <laughs> and I think Pastor John had people do it for the entire service, or at least half the service. And people of all ages, young to the very old, of all different strengths, came up and chose to be a part of this. Chose to physically hold this heavy cross standing up here in the midst of the service going on and chose to hold it until they needed to have someone take their spot. It was a powerful image to witness that of people coming forward to help carry and lift this heavy burden and to be able to help one another do so as well. All right, now remember that the story of Jesus' cross has not yet happened in Luke 14. Although Jesus, I'm sure, is well aware that the cross is not that far off. And so it's probably on his mind as he begins to talk about following him and carrying the cross. So if we jump ahead to Luke, to that point in which Jesus has just been arrested and tried and received this condemnation, this punishment from Pilate, that though Pilate thinks he's innocent, he is going to be crucified. And so then verse 26 goes like this. As they led him away, they seized a man, Simon of Cyrene, who was coming from the country, and they laid the cross on him and made him carry it behind him. Notice here that Simon doesn't choose to volunteer to help Jesus carry this heavy cross to the place where it will finally come to its point of ending. Likely passing through the area from Cyrene, which is in northern Africa, he is literally seized, pulled out of the crowd, forced, made to carry the cross that Jesus is struggling to bear on his own. He is pulled into this physical, emotional, and even spiritual burden 
of helping Jesus carry the cross that will eventually become the place of his suffering and his death. But here's where I think where there is good news deeply, deeply embedded into this passage. The cross isn't the end of the story. The cross isn't the symbol of death before us. It doesn't become a reminder to us that we are a people without hope, that we are a people without God-given gifts, without a God walking with us in everything that we face in this life. Instead, the cross becomes a sign of a new beginning. The cross becomes this ultimate symbol of hope and life. It becomes a reminder to us that we have a reason to be people who are hopeful when we look to the one who carried the cross not to save himself, but to save all of us. It becomes a reminder to us that just when we think we are all alone, that we can't do it anymore, that we have nothing left to give, nothing of value, strength does come. Light emerges, and life finally comes our way. The cross becomes a reminder to us that in those moments where the way becomes the darkest, when it feels as if we are all by ourselves, with everyone against us, when we are unable to hear or to see the gifts that God has given to us, the cross becomes a symbol of a God who is with us through all things and simply wants nothing more than us to believe that to be so. And for us to want to be with God. And to know that whether by our choosing or even by our being pulled out from along the way that we have been walking, we have the power to be his disciples. And while Jesus might be preparing us here for the tough realities of the life of faith, that not everything is going to be easy in following him, that there will be challenges and hardships, that there will be times in which we have to choose something difficult to take a stand for someone else. Take note of Simon's story and know that even when we are being pulled into the task of carrying one another's burdens, God takes notice of the time that we have spent, of the money that we have shared, of the gifts that we have given, and gives to us in ways that the world could never even dream of. Ways that are hard to put a price tag and a dollar amount on as we seek to analyze the costs and benefits of following Jesus. So this day, hold on to all of the gifts that you have listed in your mind. Don't let anyone get in your way from being able to live those out. 
And second, as we transition from the carefree days of summer, now into the rhythm of routine with fall, think about how you will make time in your life to spend with your God. And lastly, remember that the blessings that come from the difficult road of following Jesus, whether by choice or by being pulled up from the crowd, will come. So keep your eyes open and know that it is work that you don't need to do by yourself. Amen.